Michelle Donnelly, and this is the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, power, and purpose, and that you can do it right through the things that God is carrying you through in your season as a single mom. Here we talk about all of the things that matter to a single mom, but most of all, I hope you found a place where you feel like you belong. Let's get started. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Michelle Donnelly, and I'm really glad that you could be with me for this episode today. Today's episode is all about dating to blend. And I love this approach to dating because I think very often we focus on ourselves and what dating means for us. But the approach today is all about what that means for our kids and our future family. Joining me for the conversation today is author and therapist Ron Deal. Ron is also the president of Smart Step Families and the director of Family Life Blended. Ron has a huge heart for blended families, and he gives us not only some practical tips, but some great encouragement when it comes to considering what it means to date with the intention of blending a family. I'm partnering with Abide to bring you a new live four-week course called Broken to Brave, Breaking Bonds of the Past to Fight for Your Future. It starts on Sunday, September 19th. And in this course, we are going to talk about how to confront pain and anger from your past and use it as fuel to guide you to a future of freedom in Christ. If you'd like to join that course with me, have a look down in the show notes and click on the link to register. Also, down in the show notes, if you are new to the podcast, you'll notice a link to a quiz. It's called What's Your Loneliness Type? Loneliness is something that all of us single moms have to deal with, but the reasons why we deal with loneliness are different, and they don't necessarily have that much to do with whether or not we're in a relationship. So if you'd like to learn more about your own experience with loneliness, what's causing it, and then some of the ways out, go ahead and click on that link or head over to agapemoms.com forward slash quiz. Ron has given me such a greater perspective on what it is to date, but to take our kids through that process with us. And I hope that you'll be encouraged by this conversation. Here is my conversation with Ron Deal. Ron, great to have you with me today. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you very much. It's great to be with you. I'm, I'm excited to learn what you're doing and glad to be just contribute a little bit today. I'm so excited too, Ron, because your work has been very instrumental in the way that I've shaped my conception of Mm -hmm. dating and how it should look in this single mom season. And I have to admit, prior to reading any of your material, I don't know that I thought that much about what dating meant in terms of blending families down the road. Mm -hmm. And so this idea of dating to blend is fascinating to me and so important. I think it's great for us to learn about ourselves, but we have to be also learning about the things that are going to set us up for success down the road when it comes to our kids as well. I I can't tell you how nice it is for me to hear you say that. And here's why. Because um, 
I, I think that's reality for a lot of people. Um, they think, okay, dating is getting back into finding a partner, a friend, a companion, a lover, uh, you know, the things that we've lost. So I would just call that coupleness. And they're so focused on coupleness that they don't realize that there's a whole nother dynamic at play if you marry when there's kids involved and that's familiness. And that sabotages coupleness, what a lot mm-hmm. of people don't realize. And so if you can date with an awareness of kids and family and the dynamics that will come with a new marriage that forms a blended family, then you make better choices, you manage it better. And then when the hiccups come, you're not surprised by them because you you, you kind of knew that was going to come. That's normal. This is This is the way it rolls. And all of a sudden, you just do better. And as you know, we've I've written two books on this whole journey. Dating in the single parent is really focused on helping people date well when there's kids in the mix. And now we got a new book coming out, Preparing to Blend. And it's all about, okay, we're engaged. How do we now really get ready for life after the wedding? And I, I've just spent a lot of my life trying to figure this out and help people manage this well. And so to hear you say that is a blessing to me. Thank you. I'm so glad you spent a lot of your life trying to figure this out because I'm still trying to figure this out. Yeah. We need people to to guide us down that path. Yeah. And I think the concept of coupleness comes very easily when we consider dating yep. relationships. But that concept of familyness seems a little bit detached sometimes. We know mm-hmm. that that's going to be involved somewhere down the line, but we might not know where that really should fit in. And I think some of it centers around this question of, well, I have to make sure this person is a right fit for me first, but we can kind of do these things simultaneously. And I think that's maybe the part that we miss is we might stay in a relationship that's really not great for us, but it's definitely not great for our kids, but mm-hmm. maybe we're in it too long because we haven't really put those two things together on the front end. On the front end. And that's so important because basically we're doing prevention at this point. Not, yeah. We're not trying to fix problems. We're trying to prevent them. And I think it's empowering. Uh, you know, Somebody's listening right now and you, <laughs> you experienced a disempowered relationship that ended in divorce or a breakup. And you know what it is to be on the losing end of that. And it, it is not fun. Well, here's the deal. You can be on the end of that again if you mm-hmm. don't go into this with a preventive mindset, if you don't anticipate familyness factors and how they impact the coupleness factors. And you can end up going, oh my gosh, again, I start the book dating the single parent telling people, look, I get two sets of emails. One set comes from the not yet married couples who say, wow, are you trying to scare us a little bit? And I'm like, no, not really, but maybe I'm trying to educate you about some things that you, you, may, you may not see coming into your future if you get married and form a blended family, but I want you to know it now so you make better decisions. So no, I'm not trying to scare you, but I am trying to educate you. Mm-hmm. And then I get another set of emails from people who are already married in blended families. They're six months, six years, whatever, down the road. And they're complaining that nobody told them this before they got married. I'm telling you, I've had a thousand of those over the last 30 years. Mm -hmm. And so one day it dawned on me, well, I'm going to start telling people before they get married. So I won't get another email from these people six years later. And so it's sort of like all of my work is really being driven by and fueled by the feedback I get from married blended family couples. Mm -hmm. Somebody should tell us this before we got married. Good idea. Let's do that. Let's do that so that that single mom is empowered 
to make decisions and feels good about them and it doesn't get blindsided yet again. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that there is just, there, as you said, empowering. There's so much in this that we can say, if I don't want to repeat this again, you don't have to. And some of it yes. comes from knowing your worth and who you are in Christ and that you don't need to settle. You don't need to have someone who will just accept your kids or accept that you have kids, that they could actually love you, love mm-hmm. your kids. And I think for many of us, though, that's foreign if we've never seen it before. And so some of this idea of how do I not repeat this is, it just seems like it's so far out there and we don't really know where to start. So when it comes though, to that, knowing where to start in your books, you talk about a family silhouette Mm. as we're looking at down the road, we could blend these families. Could you describe that concept for us? Yeah. Well, most people can tell you the, the silhouette of the person they're looking for. He's tall, dark, and handsome. He's got a million bucks sitting in his pocket, just ready to spend on me. And, you know, and we, you know, I'm, I'm in jest, but at the same time, there's some truth to that. Like, mm-hmm. you know what you're looking for and what you're not looking for, but do you have a silhouette of the family that this new couple relationship would create? And it's sort of like, oh, well, yeah, I want him to be a good dad to my kids. Right. Um, but here's point one. You're not going to marry a dad to your kids. You're going to marry a stepdad to your kids. Oh, yeah. But what's the difference? Oh, there's a huge difference, massive difference. And if he has children, you're not going to be their mom. You're going to be their stepmom. Mm-hmm. And oh, no, I don't like stepmom. I don't want to use that term. Well, you don't have to, but your stepchildren will use it for you. They will see you as the stepmom. It doesn't matter what term you want to use or not use. They know who you are. You're the stepmom. So what does that reality mean for you? And how do you parent differently as a stepmom than you do as a biological mom? I don't know. I don't know the difference. I don't know how the stepdad's going to parent my kids differently than their bio dad would. Well, there's big differences. And oh, by the way, there's this merging process where you're not just a family poof. Um, here's the wedding. Now we're all in love with one another. No, that's a journey that takes most families five to seven years. Five to seven years. Mm-hmm. What do you mean five? Well, just on average, you got to figure out how you get along with one another and who goes where and even what you call each other and what the rules are and how you as husband and wife now navigate parenting and step parenting and who takes the lead with what child under what certain situation. Like there's a whole lot of complexity. That's a word that we use a lot when it comes to blended family living. And, and all of it is understandable and manageable. And you can navigate that journey well as a family. But if you know nothing about it, your expectations are, in effect, I'm repairing what I've lost by marrying this man. Oh my gosh, that's a setup for disappointment left and right. So if your expectations are in the wrong place, then you've set yourself up and your kids and your new spouse for disappointment and frustration. And now we're getting angry with each other. And why did we do this in the first place? I Mm -hmm. thought it was going to be great, but it's not great. It's harder than I thought. So maybe we shouldn't have done it at all. And look where we've come. In a short period of time, people rewrite the narrative of their life into a mistake rather than a blessing. I'm here to tell you, it's in part because they got the wrong storyline from the beginning. Their expectations set them up with the wrong storyline. If you have the right storyline and you work towards the family you're creating, not the one you're not creating, you will realize more blessing than mistake. You will feel like there's progress rather than failure. 
And that's a game changer. It's a game changer for everybody. It still takes five to seven years to settle your family identity, but at least you're informing the journey rather than just getting crushed by the journey. It's just totally different. Let me ask you about that five to seven years too, because I know somebody is listening right now is going to... I can't date for five to seven years to figure out if this is going to work or not. So what are some things that we can say on the front end? Okay, we know this journey is going to be coming. And so what are some things that we need to set up to make sure we have some of those things decided as far as who parents whom and how and in what situations? What are some guardrails there? Okay, so... First of all, let me just say at a high level, dating and the single parent is all about dating and getting to the point where you're deciding to get married. The new book, Preparing to Blend, is all right, we're engaged. What can we do to increase the momentum of our familiness even before we get to the wedding? Mm-hmm. So there's tons of ideas built into both of those resources. Let's just start with a couple of them. Um, for dating and the single parent, one of the things that I really recommend to couples is that they ask themselves the what if, or excuse me, ask their kids the what if question. Now, what if question sounds like this. Hey kids, what if mom started dating again? How would you feel about that? And they look at you like you got a third eye and one of them says, oh, I think that'd be great. One of them says, nah, I don't want yeah. another dad. That's uh-huh. a, we got, I got a dad. <laughs> um, it, and so it's sort of like you get different reactions from different children. And then tomorrow it all changes. They give you another bit of feedback. And then in, in a couple of weeks when you actually got a date and on the calendar and you tell them they're then you get another reaction. It's like, which of those reactions is the true one? Well, they're all the true one. You see, kids have lots of little slivers inside them. Mm-hmm. Part of them that's excited about this and part of them that's baffled by this and part of them that is worried for dad related to this. Another part of them that's thinking, well, do I get lost in the mix? Or um, what happens to me if mom falls in love with this guy and he brings four kids into our house and she's spending all her time letting them sit on her lap? Where do I sit anymore? Like, So there's tons of little slivers within them. And so you begin to find over time, asking what if questions begins to bring those to the surface. And you now, two things are happening. Very important, Michelle. Mm -hmm. One is you're learning something that helps inform your journey. It doesn't mean your kids dictate whether you date or whether you don't or timing and no, none of that. But you're learning something that informs your decisions about how you move forward. That's very important. And the other thing is you're doing a little intervention, I would call it. So you get informed and they, they, there's an intervention on them. Hey, I think I just got the message. Mom might date again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, buddy, that's coming. You might want to get used to it because it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. And so the conversation educates the children about where mom's moving, what life is bringing. And I guess I better get used to this or figure what I'm going to do with this. How do I feel about this? Every little step moves you and them closer together. That's really important. We want to keep you connected while you're connecting with somebody else. Mm -hmm. So you bring your children along with you Mm -hmm. rather than a inadvertently abandoning them. And the what if questions is the core thing that makes this happen. So let me just play this out. What if I were to get start dating again? How would you feel about that? Eh, whatever. That's cool. That's great. Okay. So you go on one of those dates and Hey, what'd you guys think of that guy? You met him for a whole five minutes there at the door. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. He's fine. Did you guys have a good time? Great. Clyde mom. I'm happy for you. Cool. So then a couple of days later, what if I dated him again? What, like, are you going to get married? And oh, wow, that pulled up something. Like, I just learned something else from mm-hmm. my kid. Like, mm-hmm. dating is fine, but marriage, that brings a different emotion in my children. And then you ask, well, okay, we've dated a few times now. What if I dated him exclusively? 
and then they say, mom, we don't call it dating exclusively. You're, you're talking, which means, <laughs> and your kids educate you on their world a little bit mm-hmm. and you have a little fun with that. But in the meantime, you're learning something and they're learning something. And somewhere in there, there's a conversation that goes, so what if I married him? And the kids are going, okay, are you serious? Like, what? I don't know. Does that mean we have to move a different house? Will I lose all my friends? I have to go to a different school. Can we go to the same church? They go to a different church than us. What, what about? And I don't, stepbrother, God, he's in my face when they come over for a few hours. I don't want him living here. See, every little phase gets an education and an, get an information. And you're moving through this together as a mm-hmm. unit, parent and child. They are not the boss. You're still in charge. You make decisions. They don't. But you're learning something about their heart and you're moving toward them in the conversations so that they don't get left behind. All of that helps the process tremendously. It doesn't guarantee happiness on the other side. You know, no guarantees for anybody in life. But here's the thing that it's doing that I haven't mentioned. It's, it's avoiding more significant loss for your kids. If I could tell you the number one big mistake that single parents make in dating and forming a blended family, it's, hey, this person fulfills my life and I need that and want that to the detriment of my relationship with my kids. Why in the world would any child 5, 15, or 30 embrace a new stepdad who stole mom from us? Mm-hmm. Why would they be happy about that? Yeah. Why would they want to be excited about getting to know step-siblings? And oh, by the way, uh, my new step-grandparents and the 15 other people, cousins, aunts, and uncles, and folks, I don't really have any interest in needing to know, but they're crammed into my house at Thanksgiving on my birthday, and I don't even know why they're here. Mm -hmm. That's not my choice. Like, you stole mom from it. You stole our family from us. Like, if that's the feeling they get because you date so fast, so rapid, exclusive, basically abandoning your kids on behalf of this new relationship, why would they be happy about it? And yet people do it all the time, Michelle. They do it all the time and then wonder why their children are not on board with the new family. But manage it differently. Move toward them as you move toward any new partner. Mm. And, and you just are going to make better decisions. I love what you're pointing to here as far as taking them with you, because that is so often the experience for our kids is they don't get to choose. And so whatever circumstances that we're in right now, they didn't choose those. And they Mm -hmm. may just finally be getting used to that. Or Mm -hmm. as they develop, they may be dealing with new layers of understanding what they've lost. And the loss process, the grieving process is so much longer for them because they can't fully understand. And it's just coming to them in these incremental slices. And so then if you're in there changing things up again and they don't have notification of it, mm-hmm. it's like, whoa, you just added a whole nother layer to this that I wasn't even ready for. But just by being proactive, and I, and I think it's great what you said, they're not, they're not the ones who are deciding for us what we do or don't do. But in us being proactive and including them in the conversation, it just gives them a space to be heard. Right. And that agency is so important. I've seen in my own kids that that agency is so critical when they're already processing some layer of loss or trauma mm-hmm. and feel powerless and having the ability to speak up. Even if mom's going to continue to do what she's going to do, I had the ability to speak up. And then yeah. we have the ability to reference back, hey, I remember that you said you were uncomfortable about this. You know, Now this is happening. 
tell me how that's changed or tell me where you're at right now. And it just continues to keep that door open. And I think one of the things that you point to is that communication is such a big part of this blending experience anyway. So we should probably start getting really good at it with our own kids That's right. before we're going <laughs> to do that with any stepkids. Yeah. And communication is really ultimately about connectication. Okay. Mm-hmm. I got some friends who made up a word. I like it. Connectication. You're yeah. connecting with them. So it's what if conversations with your children is not just about dialogue. It's about your heart moving toward their heart and mm-hmm. them feeling your presence. Okay. So we could, we could talk here about 20 minutes about attachment theory and, and what we know about children. Okay. When an infant is born, God's amazing design, you know, that mother's breast is 10 inches away from her eyes so that the child is connecting to the mom in a heart way, far more than just the physical sustenance that's taking place, but their hearts are connecting and there's something amazing that's happening. And we know now neurologically the child's brain develops like crazy as it feels safe and warm in a parent's care and take away that sense of care and their brain stop forming. Mm. I mean, isn't that just, wow. Yeah, that's not just the first two years of life. That's, you know, for 16 years of life, there's that sense of, am I safe? Am I loved? Am I protected? Are you connected to me? And when I lose that, we all know how difficult that is. And some of us have lived through that and we can think back to our, all right. So all of that to say, there's been already a fracturing of stability in life and family by death, by divorce, by something. When we add more fracturing, even if it's inadvertent, even if your intentions are in the right place. No, this is a great guy. He's going to bring blessing to us. He's going to bring stability. He's going to bring finances, whatever those things are. Yeah, from your point of view, that's true. But along with that came another fracturing because the kids lost you because mm-hmm. you just went into the deep end with him, this new man, and kind of forgot about your children. Guess what? That's not helping. The money he brings is not worth the fracturing mm-hmm. of the attachment. So when you move toward them with conversation and listen and hear and say, oh, you're not feeling great about this. Okay. Tell me about that. And not respond with, oh, but he's a great guy, a sales job. You know, No, we don't need a sales pitch. What your child needs to know is you hear them mm-hmm. and they still have your eyes and your hugs and your heart and your attention. Sometimes I know single parents feel like, wow, it feels like I can only have one or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get it. Uh, that That is a hard place to be in when your heart is big enough to have both but they don't really know how to have both. And so, you know, the thing is, again, you don't have to get paralyzed by your children's needs, but you do need to listen to them. Mm -hmm. You do need to hear them. You're not controlled by whether they're open to you dating or not. That doesn't, shouldn't control you. But unwise is the parent who ignores that and Mm -hmm. says, well, I'm just going to do it anyway. Because you're Mm -hmm. basically saying to your child, you don't matter. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's so important. That's what they hear. Yeah, that we pay attention to that. As even as we're saying, like they may not have jurisdiction over you, but there may be some seasons, and I've seen it in my own life. It's just not wise. They really mm. may be needing you extra, extra, extra. If they're having more trouble at school, if they're having difficulty paying attention, if they're having trouble with friends, having trouble with their other parent, whatever the case might be, those are places for us to dial down with. Yep where we're at right now. And it doesn't mean it's going to be forever, but the more that we invest in that situation right now, the better the outcome is going to be for everybody. And it sometimes just takes a little bit of time. Mm -hmm. You said it so well, kids have had a lot of loss. Mm -hmm. And if you think of it as, okay, every one of those losses, some are bigger boulders than other, but you put them on top of each other and it's a mountain. Mm -hmm. 
The question is, do I add more boulders to it inadvertently or do I strategically keep connection with them even while dating over here and making some decisions and now beginning to move that person into my children's life? And then I watch and I learn, is that another boulder of loss? Mm -hmm. Oh no, it seems to be going pretty well. Okay, then let's keep moving forward. But oh wow, that is another loss in there. Look at the reaction, look at their hurt, their anger, their whatever that is. I need to listen to that. There's a mountain here. Yeah. Yeah. That is in the backdrop. And I don't need to add any more loss to it. So that informs how you move forward. Maybe that means you're just slowing down the pace of the dating. It doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily mean you stop, Mm -hmm. but at least you're slowing it down or you're not trying to push your kids and this dating partner together as quickly as maybe you envisioned. You let that inform your decision making. You know, and I think too, with this mountain metaphor, I love this, they are perceiving these rocks, just one on top of another. And I have to admit, when I was reading your first book, I was saying to myself, oh my gosh, this is terrible. I can never date then. Like while they're <laughs> they're still going through these, you know, various younger years, I can't do this. But I recognize in being proactive, sometimes that helps us to take the rocks down for them. Yes. So even what they perceive could be more loss, that in the conversations, you can open that up to what they would also gain. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean they're going to receive what you're saying right now, mm-hmm. but you are setting the stage for the fact that it's not all loss. And so as you're saying, that could mean you slow the pace down. It could mean that you're doing something a little different, but that in those conversations, we actually can help to pull some of those rocks down. You know, as you're talking, something's occurring to me that I want the listeners to know. You may in your mind think, oh my gosh, I got to give my kids a dad. They, they, you know, they're just, they're not going to be okay if they don't have a dad. Well, I'm here to tell you what they want most is you. Mm. And the connection that matters most to them is the one they have not the one that they don't have. By the way, in their mind, they have a dad, living or deceased, they have a dad. If Mm -hmm. he's, God forbid, already passed away, he is still alive in their heart, okay? We can talk about that some more if you want, but that is very true, especially if he's still alive. Maybe I don't get to see him as much as I used to. Moving between homes, dad's a little erratic and doesn't always show up. He's still their dad. Mm -hmm. Like they still have a dad. I know in your mind, you're kind of wanting to round out the package and, 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 and repair what has been lost, but they just want you. Mm. So, so give them you to the degree that you can listen, genuinely hear, hug, affirm, you're important. And yes, I'm going out with this guy on Friday night. Like Mm. you can do both of those things. And Mm -hmm. Sometimes you feel the ripples, but when you are in the mindset of, but if I don't close the deal with this guy, and bring mm-hmm. him into the picture, they're somehow going to be, you know, disadvantaged. No, no, I don't yeah. think that's true. The research does not bear that out. Children who grow up in single parent homes fare just as well, educationally, emotionally, uh, psychologically, as children who grow up in step family homes. It's okay. It's really okay. Mm-hmm. So don't feel the pressure or the, the weight of, gosh, we got to, somehow I got to bring this person. No, it's okay. Be relaxed about that. You know, in the book, I give the daters prayer. Yeah. (laughs) And and it's that posture of, Lord, if if you bring somebody into my life, I'm yours. So if you bring somebody, great. If you don't bring somebody, I'm still yours. Mm -hmm. I'm trusting you. That's where my focus is. There's no pressure to somehow (laughs) fill all the empty slots in the home. And you just make better choices that way, better decisions that way. And then the outcomes are better for kids as well. That's so great. That is one of the things I highlighted in in the book is um, you're not giving your kids a dad. You're giving them a stepdad. 
And so when you recognize that you can't replace that role, then it does shift things to say, well, then I want this stepdad to be the best one. Mm -hmm. And if that takes some time to find the best one, then I want that because Mm -hmm. I can't replace the dad role as it is. And it just helps you to kind of pull that thing down. Cause you're right. Sometimes it's like, Oh, there's just this slot missing in the family and we'll just put (laughs) the person in here and we'll just continue on down the road. And it doesn't necessarily work out that way, but you did mention something that I do want to go into more deeply is that sometimes this blending experience and dating to blend experience is different if we're dealing with a divorce situation Mm -hmm. versus perhaps a death situation where a parent passed away. Mm -hmm. So as it comes to this experience, how might that be somewhat different? Well, one of the clear distinctions between losing a parent to death and losing a parent, losing the family, if you will, to divorce is when a parent dies, it, it is a permanent, clear loss. Divorce creates ambiguous loss. Mm. So I've lost my family. I haven't lost my relationship with my mom or my dad. Those still exist, but how they work together is totally different. How I relate to each of them about the other is totally different. How I relate to each of my parents about my other siblings is totally different. Um, So I go to my dad's house and what are the rules over here? And how does that work? See, you hear all the ambiguity. Mm-hmm. There's a lack of clarity in all that. Mm-hmm. And over time, many of those ambiguous notions of of how the single parent households work get resolved, but sometimes they're still unclear, even to kids and sometimes even to adults. Again, what a contrast to clear. Dad has died. He is not here. He's not coming back. So when mom begins to date somebody else, a child in a divorce situation, oh, mom and dad could get back together again. That mm-hmm. fantasy can remain alive and well. But mom's now dating somebody, dad's dating somebody. If you guys get married to those people, then there's no way our family's reconciling. Mm -hmm. So that brings another perhaps loss to the child who was hoping for a family reconciliation. After the death of a parent, you know, it's obvious that's not going to happen. Still, children sometimes struggle with the presence of another man in the house who who takes on the, the job description, if you will, of being dad. But they don't have the fantasy that mom and dad are getting back together. Mm -hmm. So that creates some different places in children's hearts about being open to somebody else coming into the picture, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing I'll say that's different is on the the single mom side. Uh, A single mom who was there because she lost her husband to death. Maybe they had a good marriage. Maybe she longs for that connectedness and relationship again and sharing life. And she would love to find the same guy, if you Mm -hmm. will, somebody very similar to her first husband, a woman who's been through a difficult divorce, maybe got betrayed, has been through a lot of pain. She wants the opposite Mm -hmm. of what she had. So it even makes a difference in what you're looking for, Mm -hmm. kind of person that you're open to. Um, And by the way, I, both of them, neither of them are right. (laughs) Here's the truth. If you're yellow and in your first marriage, you married uh, green. What, yellow and green makes blue. Is that right? Is that what it is? So, <laughs> no, yellow, uh, blue make green. Yellow, okay. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Yeah, you married blue, yellow okay. and blue make green. Okay, so that mm-hmm. the hue of your usness was green, mm-hmm. right? Well, now you're single and you're still yellow and you go out and marry red. 
Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, oh, our Estes will still be green. Mm-hmm. Well, nope. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be orange. Yeah. So even the nature of your new relationship will have a different color, texture, feel, experience. Mm-hmm. Um, there'll be rhythms of the day that are very different. Some that are the same, but other things that are uh, you know, strangely odd. And so if you're looking for the same thing, you're going to find something that's different. If you're looking for the opposite, you're going to still find something different than what mm-hmm. you had the first time. Mm-hmm. So really neither expectation is right, yeah. if you will. <laughs> sure. So I always fall back on, hey, look, you know, marriage always has something in it that requires something of me I didn't know I was going to have to give. That's the nature of marriage and the nature of how God uses marriage to grow me up. I'm going to have to sacrifice something I didn't never wanted to sacrifice, never expected to sacrifice. Well, but that's what marriage does. It's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, you live, you learn, you, you grow into the new relationship over time and you trust God and that he will shape you into the person you need to be in that marriage. Mm, so good. I'd like to take a short break from our conversation to mention our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is Christian counseling that is available on the go, and it works through an app where you are able to schedule video sessions or just chat with your counselor throughout the course of the week. And I've found that having the combination of Christian teaching and counseling together was so encouraging and so healing for me. If you have been considering Christian counseling and you would like to give Faithful Counseling a try, you can get 10% off of your first month by going to getfaithful.com forward slash single mom. Ron, as we're talking about our kids and this relationship and how different it can be because mm-hmm. there are kids at the mm-hmm. front end instead of later. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's right. supposed to be the couple comes first exactly. and the kids. Now it's the kids come first and then the couple. There's going to be some com- competing attachments there though. Yes. And yes. so I think a lot of times in a traditional family structure, as it comes to our life priorities, we would say, okay, God, spouse, mm-hmm. kids. Yep. And It might feel, though, walking through this, that that doesn't fit. So how can we look at these competing attachments and our priorities? You know, I I really respect and understand the stated priorities, God, spouse, kids. And I think ultimately that's correct, but it gives off the wrong impression. Um, I am not suggesting that you what abandon your children, Mm -hmm. give it all to your husband and your kids just got to figure it out. No. That's not, in fact, this whole moving toward your kids as you're moving towards this new man in your life is the balance that you strive for before a wedding and after, mm-hmm. uh, while everybody's beginning to try to figure out how to be a family with one another. That, that's what you're looking for is the balance there. Let me say it this way. If you had a couple that's in a first marriage and they're raising their biological children, let's say they have three kids and they're 12 and 15 and 17, that couple's spending a whole lot of time running around chasing kids at at activities, helping them in school, figuring out friendships, doing youth retreats. I mean, they're sacrificing a lot of us time Mm -hmm. to be with them. Is that a couple that has their priorities out of whack? Is that God, children, and now marriage? No, I would suggest to you that there are seasons of life where the amount of time and energy we give to a marriage or to children could be exactly the same. Sometimes it's leaning towards the kids just because of the nature of their age, what they require, and what we need to do for them. 
so be it. We got to try to nurture the marriage within the context of that season of life so we don't lose the marriage. And the same thing's true in dating when you have children. Um, there's going to be sacrifices you make on behalf of the kids. You know, I've known some, I think, very wise single parents who said to their dating partner, look, you know, I, I really like you. I really want this relationship to continue moving forward. Let's figure this out. But you just got to know these dates, this time of the month, uh, when my kids are home and they're not at their dad's house, I got to be home. I got to be mom. And I'm hoping you can understand that and appreciate that. By the way, quick little tip, Shell. That's a great little boundary opportunity yeah. to learn what this man <laughs> is made of. Mm-hmm. If you're dating a guy who's like, oh, baby, it's all about me. Just forget those kiddos. Like, peace out. You're like, peace <laughs> out. You just learned something. Yeah. And please, 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 when you learn those things about this person you're dating, do not underestimate it and minimize it and go, oh, it'll be okay. He just, mm-hmm. da, da, da. do not do that to yourself. That is trouble in the, in the work. So set those boundaries from time to time. See how he reacts. Does he understand? Does he get it? Is he open to that? Does he accommodate you or does he pester you that whole weekend that you're not available to him? That's the same boundary that happens if you say no to sex. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You find out real fast what he's made of. What's his character? If he hasn't got much, peace out. Move Mm -hmm. on. (laughs) But if he can respect those boundaries... Thank you, Lord, for showing me something about this person, because in a thousand other ways, I need him to be a man of character if Mm -hmm. he's going to join this family. That's so good. And I think for those of us who have been in bad relationships in the past and we don't want to repeat them, boundaries is such a powerful way to determine, as you said, what is this person made of? What am I in? What is our relationship like? Precursor to the future. Like You can see it all right there. If you take away... And I'm not mm-hmm. saying necessarily as a takeaway, but if you don't make it so accessible and you say, no, this is what my priorities are, right. and this is what I would expect my priorities to be in the future, can you respect me? Can you respect my kids? There's another side to this. Can we do a little therapy here, Michelle? Sure, go for it. <laughs> All right. So if, as I'm talking about this, if the listener is going, oh, but no, I, I don't want to make him think that he's not the most important thing to me because I don't want to lose him. Okay. If you're unable to set these kinds of boundaries, you just learned something about yourself. Mm -hmm. And I just heard your pain. Mm -hmm. And your pain is, I can't be alone. Mm -hmm. Or I don't want to be left. That was I don't want to be left. Yeah. I I didn't understand what boundaries were all about. I thought it was that we were supposed to always be in service to other people all the time. mm -hmm. And so let me pour and empty myself out to everybody and everything, because Mm -hmm. that is what makes me a good Christian. And when I came to understand that you are not meant to pour out to everybody all the time that mm-hmm. that actually depletes the strength of your ministry that depletes your ability to be who God made you to be to the people he called you to yep. Yep. that was such a game changer for me and i think that that idea there again is that this is the way that you're going to be able to figure out if there is a red flag and if there is anything that would prevent you from blending into a great family and having a wonderful successful marriage because Someone, especially if he has children, someone who Mm -hmm. is considering being involved in your life with your kids should also have similar boundaries for himself and his own kids. And And how do you receive those? Are you open to those boundaries or are you like, oh, no, no, I'm desperate for you. I can't, I can't have those boundaries. 
okay, listen to that. Listen to that in yourself. If you're finding yourself that desperate, there's pain behind that. Mm-hmm. And you're feeling like I've got to close the gap and not be alone because somehow that means something horrible for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I want you to really talk to God about that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's a legitimate pain, but listen to it so that you're not controlled by it. Yeah. When pain is dictating choices about relationships, it's never good. Mm, that's so good. And I've always understood, you know, when the Bible says that children are an inheritance from the Lord, then I'm looking at this dating situation going, okay, then I want an investment partner. I want somebody who's going to take my inheritance like and say, all right, how are we going to invest in this inheritance that we have? Yes. And I think the thing that becomes so clear is, does he see your children also as an inheritance that Mm. the Lord would actually give him this other inheritance in your Mm -hmm. own children? Does he, how does he steward that? Is Mm -hmm. he excited about stewarding that? Does he want to be an investment partner? Does he look at that? He knows he's not going to be their dad, but does he know he's still a very, very significant male discipling role model? one of the most significant that they may have. How does he look at that role? And if this relationship is more about me, 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 then you know he's not going to be a very good investment partner. (laughs) That's right. That's right. And you know what? I mean, you're stating this so very well. And here's what it comes down to. Back to that family silhouette question you asked at the very beginning. If you are looking at this man going, okay, our couple relationship is right on, spot on. I love this, but... I cannot see you plugging into the family. Mm. You don't fit the silhouette. You're not an investment partner with my kids. Like you just tolerate them. I can just see it in your eyes. Like you're just like, how do I deal with these kids to get to the woman? That's not who you want. Yeah. And that needs to be a deal breaker. And I, this is a hard thing. Okay. Because in the book, I, you know, spend a lot of time talking about green lights, <laughs> keep going, move forward. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yellow flashing lights means slow down, proceed with caution. Maybe you keep going, but maybe you're just looking around a little more intensely. Red lights, stop. There are so many people, Michelle, that just come to a red light and run right through it mm-hmm. because the couple thing is so attractive that they're willing to run through a family silhouette red light. Mm-hmm. Don't do that to yourself or to your kids because here's what happens. I mean, here's the message I want. Familyness matters because um, what we know from research is that after uh, the wedding, the family factors have as much to do with the success and the quality of your marriage as your marital factors do. So maybe you communicate well and have great sex. Wonderful. But if as a parent and step-parent, you uh, find yourself at odds all the time, if you've got an ex of spouse who constantly ripples conflict into your family between you and your husband over how to deal with your ex, guess what? That sabotages a marriage. Hmm. If your children are dead set against the stepdad in their world, and it's just a hard, hard relationship, guess what? That makes it really hard to love each other as husband and wife. So the family stuff has to be a consideration in whether or not you even marry. Mm -hmm. And if you come up to one of those red lights, you got to stop. You can't just run through it and then expect it to turn green. You know, and I think the thing that is so important about what you're saying here is that there's going to just be need for a lot of assessment and a lot of balance. There's Take a need time. for communication. And if we just slow ourselves way down, mm. we're going to make a much better decision, not just for our kids, but also for ourselves and yes. end up in a situation that is so much more fulfilling and God honoring and just part of living the full yes. fullness of relationship that God would have for us. Yeah. 
four words. Time is your friend. Mm. Time is your friend. People who make quick turnaround decisions, jump into new rebound relationships, Mm -hmm. regret it. They Mm do. Um, And here's the thing. I am a firm believer. We have an event we do in our ministry, Family Life Blended. That's called Blended and Blessed. It's a live stream event for couples and blended families. We really believe you can be a blessed, blended family. But if you get into it under the wrong circumstances, it's really, really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is not about, I don't want any listener to think, oh, Ron doesn't like blended families. No, that's what I do. That's 100% of what I do. And I've seen amazing that God redemptive stuff happening in children's lives and adults' lives. And we know when kids grow up in healthy, blended families, they make better marriage partners when they become adults. They choose better uh, companions and they have more of a ability to have a lifelong first marriage that goes the distance. In other words, that's redemptive God stuff. And the blended family is one mm-hmm. of the big factors that contributes to that. So I believe in it, but don't enter into one that started under the wrong conditions. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's so good. The one other thing I want you to cover for us is this approach towards blending that mm. is more like a crock pot is what <laughs> you say. Yeah. And I think yeah. we get this and I've heard somebody even say this before. Oh my goodness. It felt more like a blender. It was like <laughs> everybody was all chopped up at the end of it. It sounds so sad, yes. but that, as you said, there can be redemption that comes mm-hmm. for the family members through this type of relationship. And mm-hmm. we want to experience the fullness of that. So you give this metaphor though, between the blender and the crock pot, would you yeah. go into a little bit of what that looks like? At the end of the day, this comes down to expectations. If your expectations are, okay, we get married, your kids, my kids, whatever the combination is, all we need is a little bit of time. That's what I call a blender mentality. And blenders have blades. So somebody usually gets chopped up in the process. We're going to merge our expectations, our parenting styles. We're going to merge our money. We're going to merge our holidays and uh, traditions and rituals and how we do birthdays. And, you know, in a couple of years, everybody's going to just see it the same. They're going to see what there won't be any steps in our home. There'll be brother and sister, mom, dad, and everything is equal. Okay, that's what blenders do. They take different ingredients and it w- in quick, fast, you know, rapid heat uh, and blades, they create smoothies and everything mm-hmm. is the same and all the ingredients have merged. And it's a wonderful fantasy, but it's not how things actually work. The way families actually come together over time is more like a, how crock pots work. We dump ingredients into the pot. <laughs> you put it, you're going to make stew. So carrots and potatoes and celery and some spices and some beef. And I don't know what else you put in there, a whole bunch of stuff. And you turn it on, you put the lid on, that's called a wedding. And then what, in 30 seconds, yeah. in 20 minutes? No, go to work, come home eight hours later. Then it's good. Mm-hmm. This is the way blended families merge. The ingredients have to warm up slowly. They begin to soften their outer shell, Mm. and then they begin to share of themselves and merge with the other ingredients. And you never have to stir. You never have to force relationship. It happens over time by itself with Mm. a little heat. So that's what we do is we, we teach people, okay, here's your heat. Be intentional about this relationship. Stepdads, here's some good stuff to do. Don't do this. That'll make it worse. That's a blender stuff. This is a crockpot mentality. And you add all those things up with time. And ingredients warm up. Now, quick little note, carrots cook at a different rate than potatoes. Mm -hmm. And celery cooks at a different rate than carrots and potatoes. And beef cooks at a much slower rate 
then all of that, there are some ingredients in your home that need more time. There's some ingredients that are like, daddy, hey, let's go. Come on. This is awesome. And other ingredients that are like, what? I don't know. Talk to the hand. I don't need you. I just don't need you. I'm staying on this side of my pot. And oh, by the way, there's some ingredients in your in your pot that get up in every other weekend and go to another crock pot. Mm-hmm. And they get over there and there's other ingredients they've got to merge with over there. And there's mm-hmm. a new set of rules and there's new boundaries and there's people and there's more stuff they've got to be concerned about. And they're just trying to be a teenager. And then they get up and they come back to your crock pot. And it's that slows the cooking down a little bit, doesn't it? Because they were over there and now they're over here and they're missing people from over there. And mm-hmm. now they're connected back here. And it's, oh yeah, what time do we do dinner here? And I keep it all straight and personality differences. And okay, that all adds up to time. When you settle into that mentality, even when you're dating, all of a sudden there's no rush. There's no hurry. There's no have to. There's an opportunity to let's live, let's learn, let's see how it goes. But I'm not forcing my kids to love this guy or his children. I don't have to have everybody in perfect harmony by tomorrow. When you start doing that to yourself and other people, you make everybody frustrated. Kids feel like, get off my back, mom. You know, like, no, he's not my new dad. Stop mm-hmm. telling me that. Mm-hmm. That just makes ingredients get tougher. Mm-hmm. And now they don't want to cook. Mm-hmm, and guess mm-hmm. what? You just slowed everything down a whole lot and went the wrong direction. But when you rest into this and you settle in it and you work with it, not against it, then you find that the cooking goes better and more smoothly for everybody. It still takes time. Yeah. The thing I love about that metaphor too, is it allows everybody to maintain their individuality Yes, that we're mm. not trying to shove everybody into this. Like we're a family now, <laughs> like right. recipe that nope, we are together creating something. And I think that's the the picture I get is we are mm-hmm. all together creating something, mm-hmm. but with our own separate contributions and experiences. And it's just so beautiful to allow those things to sort of marinate. I'm all about the cooking metaphors now, yeah. but kind of like come together, you know, in their mm-hmm. own time. And that if we are bringing the Lord though into that process and we're prayerfully considering the things that he would have us do, that we can create something all together ourselves, our partner, our -hmm. children, their children, and we can just experience God's redemptive work in that. Very well said. I I tell a story in the book, The Smart Stepdad, which by the way, is another resource that can be helpful at some point. Smart Stepdad, tell a story about a guy who he said, you know, when I married my wife, we had her kids 24-7. My kids came every other weekend. I so wanted everybody to get along. Hear the blender mentality. I so mm-hmm. wanted them to get along that when my kids would come over, he said it, they were, it was so <laughs> formal, like they didn't know where they fit. So they would mm-hmm. come over and literally go shake my wife's hand like, hey, we're glad we're here, like in a very formal way. And he was like, oh, I hated that. I wanted them to hug. Don't shake their shake her hand. And then they would sort of hang around a little few minutes and then retreat back to their bedrooms. His kids would do that because they just didn't know where they fit. And so he said, I would get upset with them and say, hey, come on, kids, come on out here. We're going to have fun. We're going to play board game or whatever. And he would conjole and coax, and then they wouldn't want to come. And then he would get frustrated. And guess what's happening? Like the blender with blades is cutting people up. Now he's Mm. frustrated. Now he's yelling at his kids because they're not happy and they're not merging with everybody else. Okay. He said, then we got a hold of this crockpot idea. And he said, we figured out, we just need to let our kids simmer. And I love this choice of word and just let them simmer. And I said, what does that mean? Well, when my kids would come over, they'd say hello to everybody, kind of retreat their bedroom. And we just let them do that. 
And I said, great. I know that feels weird, doesn't it? And he said, it totally felt weird. Like I want them together, not separate, but I had to be okay with them simmering. He said, but then we figured out the low heat things to do to bring people together. They would come out for dinner, of course, his kids mm-hmm. wanted to eat. Right. And then we would find a game for 30 minutes. But then after that, they'd pretty much go back to their bedroom. But notice what was happening. They were getting strategic, finding little moments of connection, and then being okay with the separateness. Add that up over time. And then he said, eventually my kids started coming out of the bedroom on their own. They now have something they share in common with the other step-siblings and with my wife. And, and it starts happening on its own. And that's the point. When you let ingredients kind of be in charge of their timing, their cooking pace, find their path rather than you forcing something. It's much more natural and more genuine and authentic when it finally happens. Mm, So good. Ron, I super appreciate all the wisdom that you have brought to this conversation. As we wrap up, I ask every guest the same question. And it is, if there was just one thing that you'd want a single mom to know, what would it be? Yeah. You know, I think I said it earlier, but it bears repeating. You can do this. Uh, Your children can be okay. Uh, you don't have to fill the gaps and find some guy and uh, some. No, children can grow up in single parent homes and be capable, loving human beings who fit into God's kingdom and add to the world. If you focus in that direction and put less pressure on yourself and any sort of dating partner to somehow make a magic combination and get married again, then I think when it does happen, if it happens, that it's more natural and genuine and authentic, and it has a better chance of going the distance. But if you feel like, man, I'm doing my kids a disservice by not finding this this guy, then all of a sudden, it just creates the wrong combination. And you're really not in a trusting position with God at that point. And you've disempowered yourself. And that's the thing I want you to hear is, you can do this, all right? Yeah, get some help, get some other people come alongside you, some coaches, whatever that support system is. Um, but your kids are going to be okay. Take that to heart. I don't think we can hear that enough. Thank you, Ron. Mm-hmm. <laughs> can you You're tell welcome. listeners about your new book and your resources and how they can follow you? So familylife.com slash blended, familylife.com slash blended. You can get tied into our Family Life Blended podcast, to our live events. Uh, we've got all kinds of articles for dating single parents, as well as uh, you'll find our books and resources. Dating in the single parent is the prime resource. Preparing to Blend is the brand new one for engaged couples. And then we have seven other books for married stepfamilies. So someday that might be something that would be really helpful and beneficial to you. So yeah, come check us out. Online videos, articles, all kinds of stuff familylife.com slash blended. Fantastic. And I'm going to include links in the show notes for our listeners so they can find those more easily. But thank you so much for hanging out with me today, Ron. Yeah, glad to do it. Thanks for having me. Ron's new book, Preparing to Blend, is now available. And I've also got a link in the show notes to Dating and the Single Parent. Both are incredible resources that I highly recommend. In the show notes, you'll also see my recommendations for other episodes that you might enjoy. Check out episode 82, Learning to Trust After Trauma, God, Yourself, and Others with Christy Blackburn. Also, episode 70, Waiting Well in Singleness and How to Introduce Your Child to a New Man with Brittany Moses. 
As we wrap up the conversation, I'd like to draw your attention to a couple of resources available for you in the show notes. The first is our guided scripture meditation that goes along with each and every episode that you can find at the Agape Moms YouTube channel. Also, there's a link there to follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Agape Moms and to join the private Facebook group, Beloved Collective. Lastly, if you'd like to spend some time reflecting in prayer on what you've learned in this episode, check out the link for our free podcast pages, journaling pages. Thanks for spending time with me today. I'm praying for you and that you would know that you are seen and you are beloved.